Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Mobile Rolling. And as I outlined earlier, we've got a huge weekend of harness racing action coming up and it spreads far and wide, not only here locally at Albion Park on Saturday night with a strong 10-race program. Menangle is going to be the focus over the next couple of weeks because we've got the final qualifier for the Chariots of Fire. That big event will take place Saturday week and then we're into the Miracle Mile, King of Swing shooting for another shot at the big dance there in Sydney. And there's plenty of other features to focus on as well, including that that big meeting at Alexandra Park, Auckland, Saturday night. Only six races, but they're all features and they're all there as well. Akuta and Franco Indy head-to-head. Self-assured goes up against uh, South Coast Arden. We've got uh, Sunday Sun going up against Bolt for Brilliant. So it's a wonderful program there on Saturday afternoon over there in Auckland. But let's focus on all things uh, Sydney Harness Racing right now because I want to focus on this uh, qualifier for the Chariots of Fire Krug. He was out of the money last week. He was off stride from gate 10. Lo and behold, he's got gate one here on Saturday night in the pale face Adios Stakes. And uh, our spy there in Sydney is about to join us now. She was with us throughout the Inter-Dominion. And Amanda Rando is back with us because we want to focus on all things Sydney harness racing. And there's no better person to do that with Amanda. And, of course, you can read all things harness racing with harnesslink.com. So if you're missing out now, make sure you keep up to speed with all things harnesslink.com. Amanda, good morning. Good morning, Chris. Yes, what a race this Palface Adios Stakes is at Menangle on Saturday night. It's, it's uh, the last chance for these star four-year-olds to get into that Chariots of Fire on February 19, which is worth $250,000 this year. So it's the most uh, the Chariots has ever been uh, run for, which is great to see. Absolutely. The obvious question I've got to ask with Krug with you this morning, what happened last week? Well, look, I had a chat to Jack Trainer during the week and um, he blamed himself, basically. He just said he, he, you know, he felt he just pulled the horse down too hard. He, he thought uh, another horse was coming up the track and it actually um, it wasn't happening as, as what he thought at the time. So uh, Jack Trainer's taken full responsibility uh, and the horse gets to make amends drawn in barrier one on Saturday night. Uh, Jack has been helping Cran Dalgetty with his paces over here. And obviously Carter, uh, Cran's son, ha- uh, is over here with the horses as well, helping out. Um, but yeah, Jack Jack's pretty confident. Krug will be have no dramas from barrier one on Saturday night. Okay. The follow-up question, is this race, the Pale Face Adios on Saturday night, stronger than what we saw last week with the Hondo Grattan? I think so. Um, it, it does, you know, you've got the few of these Victorian horses coming up for this race on Saturday night. Uh, you've got Act now. He's drawn in barrier two, and I just think he's going to be such a big threat in this race. Uh, this pace of trained by Emma Stewart, who was first up last week in the Bonanza and ran a huge race to finish fifth. Uh, another one of the Victorians that was a real eye-catcher in that bonanza is Rock and Roll Do for Nick Stanley. Luke McCarthy's down to take the drive on this pacer. He has an ODM. He galloped uh, in that bonanza at Melton last week. And, geez, he made up some ground, Chris. He fi- ended up finishing fourth in that race. Uh, it was a, a great effort. So I think uh, a couple of these Victorians will have a lot to say because this is their final chance to get into that big race in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this race, 
on Saturday night is a lot stronger than what we saw last week. He's got gate one now, Krug, on Saturday night. Act now, the horse that you just mentioned, uh, he, he's an absolute star in the making. He's drawn right alongside him in gate two. And when you look at the tab market... It looks like punters have got this race to a, a race in two because Krug's a dollar sixty-five. Act now three twenty. So, which way are you likely to go? Are you with Krug? Uh, are you tempted at the one sixty-five, or are you look looking elsewhere? I, I like the value of Act now, Chris. Uh, Jordan Barrier Two. This horse has is very uh, versatile. He does have early speed, and we know he likes to run along as well. Uh, and can do it at the other end. But also, he has the opportunity to take a sit and he has a really quick sprint. So I just think from Barrier 2, this horse has a lot of options. Uh, you can't disrespect Krug at all. Drawn in Barrier 1, he had his first start back... Uh, well, first start at Menangle, actually, um, the, just prior to his effort last week where he galloped and he he won he sat parked and broke 150 he went 149.9 so look he can run the times as well but uh, for me I, I like the value of act now so I've got the two on top uh, ahead of Krug and the others uh, look I've put in the 12 rock and roll do he is drawn outside the front row after uh, getting that ODM last start but he was just enormous in that effort so I think you know if they're running hard early he'll be there at the finish and another one that I like in this race Chris is the 10 Beyond Delight another one for Emma Stewart uh, this horse um, ran second in that four-year-old Bonanza last week at Melton so is bringing into this race in really strong form. Okay, so two one twelve ten for you there. Jack Trainer is the man of the moment here on Saturday night because when we switch our attention to the Sibelia Stakes, this is one of the lead-up races for the Ladyship Mile, only a couple of weeks away. Stylish Memphis is the, uh, the, the, the the horse in focus because she's been super. She's the defending champion of the Ladyship Mile. She's got a wide draw here on Saturday night, but currently she is the favourite. So Jack Trainer can he claim both? He, he he's the man in the hot seat on Saturday night. He certainly is. And geez, he's in form as a driver, as a trainer. This last year's just been uh, sensational for Jack. He, he's got his first Group 1 winner. Uh, I think it was Stylish Memphis. Uh, in the Ladyship Mile uh, this time last year. And then, you know, half an hour later came out and won another group one with Antonia, who's also in this race on Saturday night. But look, I really like Stylish Memphis here, Chris. She's, you know, she's proven in the fast time. She's broken 150 before. As you mentioned, she's the defending champion of the Ladyship Mile. And uh, she's a mayor. She can, you know, have just one crack at them. And, you know, she's got a really quick so she has got that wide draw, but I don't think that should harm her too much. Uh, just, you know, as long as the speed is genuine up front, and I think it will be because, Jesus, some talented horses drawn on her inside. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But it looks like it's very much like the pale face Adios where it's Jack Trainer up against Emma Stewart because next in betting here is Majida, who comes up from Victoria after her race last week, and uh, she's going to prove very stiff opposition here for Stylish Memphis. Yeah, she will. Look, this mare, she was brilliant winning the Vic Pred uh, at the end of the year last year. And she had a first start back in that Ladyship Cup last week at Menangle and she finished second to Spellbound. So she's only going to improve off that effort um, in terms of race fitness there. So she's one, yeah, you certainly can't underestimate. Greg Sugars is taking the drive there. But uh, for Jack Trainer, he usually drives uh, Antonia as well. And obviously he has to stick with Stylish Memphis because he's training that mare. So he's lost the drive on Antonia. Luke McCarthy's regained that drive. 
Uh, and he's driven this filly, well, he, she's a mare now, but last year as a three-year-old, Luke McCarthy helped trainer David Thorne qualify Antonia for the Breeders' Challenge final, which she was just sensational in that campaign, Chris. Um, you know, she wasn't right prior uh, prior to, you know, heading into that campaign with her bloods and she was tying up. But trainer David Thorne, you know, changed her feet around and, you know, got her on point. And she come out, won the Breeders' Challenge final. She went one, she broke 150. She went, I think, 149 eight or one forty nine seven, somewhere thereabouts and, you know, became the fastest silly we've seen down under as a three year old. So look, she's such a nice horse. This is a big ask for her. She's racing the open mares. Uh, she's first up since that Breeders Challenge win. And she's had a couple of trials, but she's got the good draw in barrier three. So I think she'll have a lot to say in this race. But in terms of my tips, look, I really like the 10 stylish Memphis on top. And I've thrown in the three Antonia in there for second. I think, you know, with this draw, she'll be thereabouts. Uh, also, like the six, Majita, and another one I like, Chris, is the seven, Rock and Roll Angel for Jason Grimson. Uh, she, she's first up from a spell. Uh, we haven't seen her for a couple of months. She last raced in September, but prior to her break, she won three starts in a row and all group three level as well. So she's another one that likes the slick times. Okay, so your numbers there for that uh, Sibelia Stakes on Saturday night, 10, 3, 6 and 7. So you're comfortable with the uh, the current quote from Tab, $2 about Stylish Memphis for Saturday night. Do you think she might get a, a little bit shorter or do you think she'll drift? Uh, I think she'll float around that mark, to be honest. Um, I think that's good value for her. Uh, if you know, if you can get even money, I think that's great value to jump on that. But I think she'll float. She might come in just a little bit. But, yeah, look, as I said, it, it's such a, a talent. There's so much talent in this race. And I haven't, there's, you know, plenty of mares I've left out, um, you know, in this field as well that have a really strong chance. So, yeah, it's not all, all smooth, you know, not all as open as... Um, Sorry, I should say not as, you know, tight with Stylish Memphis going all the way here. But uh, I think, yeah, I think she'll stay around that mark. Okay, so uh, we're tipping uh, Act Now and Stylish Memphis on Saturday night. Uh, it's going to be great to have you with us over the next couple of weeks for Harness Link. But I've got to ask a question. We've got a, uh, a big trot series coming up here in Queensland. And I know your folks are uh, really deaf with the trotters right now. We've seen that with Timothy Red during the recent Inter-Dominion Trotting Championship Series down there in Sydney. Have they sent a couple of trotters up this way looking at the Jim McNeil? They certainly have. They've sent uh, two trotters up, Dubal and Sabumba, up to Narissa McMullen. Uh, these two horses, actually, it's the first time my parents, Joe and Mary, they've uh, sent horses into state with another trainer to race. So, uh, and first time they've sent them to Queensland as well. So they, they just felt Dubal and Sabumba would be really suitable candidates for this uh, feature race, the Jim McNeil, and um, they think they'll, they'll handle the track and the, the Queensland style of racing so yeah all the best to Narissa McMullen I hope she does a good job job for them and yeah after this series they'll um yeah just weigh up and see whether the horses uh, continue on racing in Queensland or come back down to Sydney okay well we'll watch them with interest over the other uh, coming weeks Amanda as always really appreciate your time and insight looking forward to this huge meeting coming through on Saturday night at Menangle but as I said you'll join us over the next couple of weeks in lead up to the big one the Miracle Mile so really appreciate it this morning 
Yes, not a drummer at all, Chris. And as you mentioned, just uh, we'll have all the race updates of these feature races on harnesslink.com, so don't miss it out. Uh, we won't. We won't indeed. And uh, we look forward to the updates on harnesslink.com. So Amanda Rando joining us over the next couple of weeks and we really appreciate her time this morning. We've got a big meeting coming through at Albion Park on Saturday night, a 10 race program, and I've got to find uh, a winner or two there. And I thought the best person to go to this morning was Justin Elkins because this young guy's in form as far as driving is concerned and he's got a number of key drives on Saturday night and he's been kind enough to join us this morning. Justin, appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, you've got a couple of key drives, and we start with three in heaven, who's aiming for four in a row when he starts in race four on Saturday night. It's the Sky Racing pace. He's got gate six. It's not easy, but uh, this guy is absolutely flying right now. Yeah, that's right, Chris. He's in great form. Um, the gate hurts a little bit, but there's a few others that the gate hurts a little bit too. So um, it's a real quality race, but the way he's going, I'm sure he'll be well in it. Naturally, when these races go to this better prize money, like it is on Saturday night, over 20000 up for grabs here, they're always strong races. This race, uh, no different on Saturday night. We've mentioned the gate, gate six. How do you sort of look at it on Saturday night? Um, yeah, it's a bit tricky. Two to our inside, call me Keith and Sarah Sinatra. They, they both own a good bit of gate speed, but um, I think it's just sort of one of them ones you just got to push forward and see what happens. Um, He's racing well. He's in great form, and he seems to just be getting better and better with each run. So I think he's still going to be well within it. Just got to see where we end up at the start. The key thing about three in heaven, he's versatile. So he's no one-trick pony. You can sort of drive him in different ways, and that's probably going to be the uh, the option for you there on Saturday night. Just weigh it up, like you said, but uh, he's got different sort of options for him, and uh, he's got good speed. So that's the key thing. Yeah, that's it. Like, he's been doing it tough and still finishing off really good up the straight. So, uh, plenty of upsides to him. So, pretty excited to see where, where I'll take him. You've mentioned Call Me Keith and Soho Sinatra to your inside. And then you've got the Turpin runners on your outside. Big Wheels in particular. He's immediately to your outside. Hemsworth looking to overcome the second row draw. Which one stands out? Which one are you more nervous about? Um, oh, sort of hard. Big Wheels, he's sort of been that class three-year-old now. And he sort of takes a step up. Um, so host and natural, he's been in great touch. Can't knock any of his last two runs. And also, like, um, call me Keith and Hemsworth. They've both been real honest lately. But um, as long as we can get a good position early, I think he can overcome all of them. So just the probably first 400 is going to be key for us. Okay, well, that's three in heaven in race four. That's for Charlie Sini. Race five, Pebble Sands comes up with gate one, and uh, that's a real plus at Albion Park on Saturday night. How do you rate the chances of Pebble Sands? Yeah, no, draw makes it um, very good for us. Um, he loves the lead and loves to roll along, so 2100 too, which he, he likes a bit more of the distance, so no, I think that'll suit him right down to the ground. Okay, so you do prefer him over a little bit longer than just the mile? Um, yeah, um, he's sort of not not very speedy, so you just sort of got to got to keep him running a bit flat strap the whole way. But um, yeah, the draw is ideal. He loves the lead, and yeah, twenty one hundred should suit him down to the ground. It's very open this race. Does anything stand out for you, or do you think there's a number of uh, rivals here to factor in? Um, not not one in particular. As you said, there's a lot of um, even chances there, so you just got to respect all your runners and. Um, Lucky we got the gate that stamped the good gate, which should help us a long way.
Okay. Well, that's Pebble Sands in race five. Let's go across to race seven here on Saturday night. Tinge of Fear. Uh, this is the mayor's race over the mile. Uh, Tinge of Fear's going well. Last starter runner-up, and uh, that was a good effort. So how do you rate her chances on Saturday night? Um, yeah, once again, draw's not too bad there. At least you're drawn two. Um, she's not blessed with a um, great deal of gate speed, but she comes out enough to sort of hold her own. So we'll be coming out as good as we can and just see where we end up. Um, she's a very tough mare, so if she's close enough, she'll be within, within the fight. All right. And race eight on Saturday night, Rocks or Diamonds. He's bursting to win a race. It's only a matter of when. Can Saturday night be his night? Um, I think so. Just Obviously, the gate five hurts a little bit, so we just have to see what happens at the start and, what we elect to do, but as you say, he's in great form and he's always thereabouts and always runs a good race in these races. Sectionally, he was excellent last start. Yeah, no, he was awesome last start. He's, he's um, always real good on the clock. He just sort of always doesn't have that slice of luck that he needs, but um, it's only a nine-horse field on Saturday night, so I'm sure wherever he ends up, he'll be right right within it. Okay, that's another good money race as well, another $20,000 race. So uh, it'd be nice to walk away with both of them on Saturday night with uh, Three in Heaven and then Rocks or Diamonds. Yeah, no, it would be nice. But, um, yeah, I'm sure the trainers will have the horses spot on, so it'll be all up to me from there on. All right, you are in good form at the moment. A couple of your drives in particular at Albion Park off some pretty ordinary draws have been super. The difference between winning and losing. So you've given them every chance. So you're seeing them well at the moment. Yeah, that's it. Um, been working real hard. Um, obviously, love driving. So, yeah, you're just trying to get the most out of each horse you drive. All right. Really appreciate the time. Best of luck on Saturday night. No, thanks, Chris. Really appreciate it. Justin Elkins in super form right now, and he's got those four key drives there on Saturday night. So uh, we wish him the best of luck. Our man in the West, there's a lot to talk about right now because the WA Pacing Cup, it seemed to have it all last uh, Friday night at Gloucester Park. Matty Young joins us as he does each and every Thursday. Matty, appreciate the time. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm really well. Where do we start with the WA Pacing Cup last week? It had it all, including the 100-to-1 winner, Wild West. Yeah, it's uh, plenty to unpack there. Um, I think if I was hard-pressed for a selection on the pacing cup and I had to go through to all the way to 11th, that's whereabouts I would have Wild West. <laughs> him, and, him and Hurricane Harley were the two I didn't think could win. And uh, Hurricane Harley went to the line looking for a run and uh, Wild West won the race. So, yeah, I'm glad I didn't have a bet in the race, put it that way. Okay. Uh, Wild West, as we know now, he's uh, he's set to leave West uh, Western Australia, Perth, and uh, he's going to join uh, his ex-stablemate, King of Swing. So how big an impact do you think Wild West is going to have in Sydney at Menangle on that big track? Well, I mentioned this on my show uh, the other day about King of Swing and his, he was just an okay horse over here in the West. Um, and he's gone over there and been able to dominate. I think overall, King Swing was always the better horse, and he's been able to excel getting onto the bigger track, and um, he's just become more and more brilliant as he's gone along. But uh, Wild West is pretty talented, so look, he's leading one going 152 at, Pin- at uh, Gloucester Park over the mile, and he's won a pacing cup over 2,900 metres, and this is a horse that... Uh, hits a knee, doesn't handle the bends, 
Um, so, look, on what he's done, I think he's going to make a fair splash in uh, Sydney, but it's all dependent on his gate speed and a few things like that. And his gate speed's not probably as brilliant as King of Swing, but, yeah, look, I, I think he'll go over there and he'll do a fantastic job, that's for sure. He's he's just a horse that has just cried out for the bigger track, uh, just has never really handled Gloucester Park. And, I mean, if he can do half of what King of Swing's done, then I think Connections will be pretty happy. Yeah, absolutely. It seems that way. And what about, uh, you've mentioned that he's gone super fast time already over there in Perth. So it looks a fait complete that he's going to go sub 50, all things considered, on the bigger track at Menangle. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, as Stuart McDonald mentioned, uh, the horse, he, he always liked the horse and Stuart's doing a good job in Melbourne. He thought that he'd be a 148 horse. Uh, around Menangle, so we'll get to see whether Stewie was correct. And um, yeah, Wild West, he's got a lot of talent. Uh, it really, it really is exciting to see what he can do over there. And to leave after winning a WA Pacing Cup just shows that the ability is there. And I mean, he beat some pretty good horses in that Pacing Cup. It was uh, an amazing finish. And yeah, he, he takes home the spoils for Callum Savelka. Yeah, he certainly does. Speaking of Kellen Savalco, Emily Savalco, she got three weeks for her drive in that WA Pacing Cup there last Friday night. Uh, in your opinion, fair or unfair? Well, it's hard to... It's a really tough one, Chris, because under the rule that I believe she's been suspended for is failing to drive her horse out to the line which under that rule uh, she's proven to be guilty because she did uh, stop driving to uh, give a gesture to the crowd. And, um, yeah, whether that cost the horse the race, I don't think it did. But um, it's all about uh, perception, I guess, and the stewards have got to do their job. And in the past, there has been recordings over here in the West of people not driving their horses out and being suspended for six weeks. So... Um, yeah, that's over the course of the last 10 years. There's only been a few. But so that's that's what you've really got to look at is uh, past experiences. And this was a pacing cup. And, yeah, I feel for her. Um, she, I really do feel for her. I have a sick feeling in my stomach for her and Richie Bell as well. Um, because... Yeah, you you think you've won the race and had it taken off of you. And, I mean, honestly, if, you, if you're coming down the home straight and you're about to go past Chicago Bull, you think you've probably got the race won. And Wild West has come out of absolutely nowhere. So there's plenty to talk about in regards to that as well. That Wild West may have performed an illegal move to go to the inside and I think that's still being uh, spoken with the stewards about uh, about mighty conqueror galloping and Wild West getting that run. So like if Callan Savalco cops a suspension there, then, I mean, he's taken a run and caused interference. Other states, that could be relegation. There's there's plenty to unpack. It was just an unbelievable finish. And, yeah, the stewards are still very busy going even into this weekend. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. What about uh, Chicago Bull? Uh, you've mentioned uh, he, he's not the Chicago Bull of old. How did you rate his wrong. effort there on Friday night? I was wrong. He was brilliant. 
Um, yeah, he's a good horse, uh, bully. Um, it's hard to... Yeah, I was very tentative about knocking him and saying he couldn't win the pacing cup, and I was right by a half head. But, uh, look, I thought Junior drove an absolute peach in the pacing cup. I thought uh, he made the move at the right time. He didn't worry as much about the leader, and you just knew with over a lap to go that he had Mighty Conqueror at his mercy. He was mainly running to uh, take the zing out of Minstrel, who was a great run. Uh, Magnificent Storm was back in the field and uh, looked very hard for him and I thought he was a great run uh, but I just thought Bully he's just got so much guts that horse, uh, like his high speed's always been what we've spoken about but boy he's got some guts and he really dug deep and uh, he nearly got there for another pacing cup which would have been so well deserved does he go around again for another one next season uh, I guess that's to be decided on his form and health over the next 12 months, but on his performance Friday, send him around again. Mm. Yeah, it was a fascinating race in so many ways there on Friday night. It never fails to deliver the WA pacing cup, and that was the case again for 2022. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great race. It always is. So if you if you missed it last week, just do yourself a favour. Go out and have a look at the replay. It had it all. What about this Friday night? We're back at headquarters at uh, GP on uh, tomorrow night, Friday night. Ten races. Steer us into a winner. What is your best bet? Yeah, well, uh, just having a look at the Lord Mayor's Cup as well, which is the feature of Group 2 level. Minstrel backs up off of last Friday's effort, and you would say Minstrel from Gate 2 should be able to get the job done. So that looks to be pretty comfortable there. Uh, on a best bet on the card, well, I think, we can start off pretty early. Race one, number one, Zazu. Uh, trolled up really well, and that was in good time. Uh, has got a great record when leading. Should lead, should go very close to winning, I would suggest. Race one, number one. And if he is in the red odds, maybe multi him up into race one, uh, race two, number two, Gambit, who uh, I've been a bit critical of Gary Hall Jr.'s drives on him in his last couple. But I think uh, Junior will get this one spot on. So uh, I think race one, number one, Zazu will win. Michael Young and Gary Hall, Junior. And race two, number two, Gambit for a double. So nice and early. Have that multi and you should be able to pick up uh, in the 250 to $3 bracket. All right, love it. Race one, number one. Race two, number two. And if you wanted to stretch the friendship a little further, race five, number two, Minstrel in that Lord Mayor's Cup. And that should set us up for a, a very pleasing weekend. Matty, really appreciate the time, as always. Uh, looking forward to that big card coming through. And we'll be chatting again next week. Cheers, Chris. See you, mate. There's Matt Young joining us. Let's go from the WA Pacing Cup to the Hunter Cup. Brittany Graham from Sky Racing is joining us now. And just like the WA Pacing Cup, there's a lot to unpack as far as the, the Hunter Cup is concerned. Britt, good morning. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm really well. First and foremost, with this uh, talk about the Hunter Cup, let's just talk about the big, uh, the big debate. Stan Start Mobile, just your personal opinion. Where does it sit with you? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. And I've thought about this quite a bit over the last week or so after the running of the Hunter Cup. And I've listened to everybody's opinion because I probably don't have a, a firm opinion myself. I, I love standing start racing and I think it 
I'm not a punter. So from that perspective, I'm looking all about the spectacle and uh, what sort of happens in a race and, um, you know, probably more so from that perspective, whereas, you know, professional punters want certainty and Saturday night was a perfect example of a race that looked as though it was going to play out the way that it did. Now, when it comes to standing start, then there's the school of thought whether it needs to be a handicapped standing start or whether it needs to just be a free-for-all standing start. And I guess if you think about it, if that field on Saturday night and the way that it was assembled and the barrier draw was a stand and you had King of Swing drawn one, it probably would have been a completely different scenario that sometimes people don't want to draw one in standing start. So I'm not sure what the answer is in terms of... uh, I guess, promoting more excitement or having more excitement in our races. The Ballarat Cup, the barrier draw and the circumstances for a few runners meant that it was a brilliant race. Now, Saturday night's barrier draw probably ruined that race because King of Swing drew one. There were really no other gate speed horses off the front and therefore it looked as though it was going to play out as it did. Do we need to look at whether races are standing starts or mobile starts or the distances or what? Or do we just need to look at, I guess, getting... When you look at Hunter Cup fields of old, there was Hunter Cups that there were seven or eight winning chances. Or was that because it was a standing start, or was that because the depth of our open class racing was much stronger? I'm not. Sh- I don't really know what the answer is, to be honest, Chris. But um, yeah, Gareth Hall made a great point that the New Zealand Cup is a standing start race, and because it's a standing start, there has to be lots of standing start lead-ups, and they're generally fairly mundane run races and sometimes the New Zealand Cup as well this year was a great example once copy that step to the front there was no move so I'm not I'm really not sure what the answer is but um, I guess we probably need to just look at it as a whole and figure out the pros and cons. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair point on on so many levels. You know what the biggest surprise for me with last week's uh, Hunter Cup was? What's that? The fact that King of Swing had barrier one, he looked the leader, he was the leader, and he was black odds. He was 240. I'm still amazed that he was 240. That was his SP there on on Saturday night. I thought for sure he would be odds on, but I'm, I'm still just baffled by the fact that he ended up being black odds. Well, he kept drifting, didn't he? He kept getting longer and longer the closer we got to starting time. And I'll put my hand up. I, I tipped Amazing Dream. And it's easy to say after the race that it looked fairly straightforward, didn't it? But I just really didn't think a race for $500,000, there wouldn't be some sort of pressure. And she just looked as though she was going to get that perfect trip. But in the end, it played out exactly as everybody thought it would. And it was was easy to say after the race, wasn't it? But, yeah, he, he was excellent, King of Swing. But you knew after half a lap that he probably wasn't going to get beaten. I'll ask this question of you as well because this was posed to me earlier in the week from David Fowler. King of Swing, where does he sit right now amongst the all-time greats? He's won 42 of his 80 starts. He's got $2.7 million against his name with more to come because he could easily win another Miracle Mile in a couple of weeks and then he could easily come to Brisbane for our Tab Constellations in July and, and bank another Blacks of Fake. So... Where does he sit right now? That I posed the question when, uh, well, I posed the question to David after he asked the question to me. We're in this pandemic still with COVID, border lockdowns. He probably hasn't uh, 
uh, met the, the creme de la creme uh, during his time where he's dominated. He's a, a dual Grand Circuit champion, King of Swing. So it's been a little difficult. But at the end of the day, you can only beat what's in front of you, and he's done that. So I'm not saying his record is tainted, not by any stretch, because like I just said, you can only beat what is in front of you. But at the end of the day, in 10, 20, 50 years' time, we're going to look back at King of Swing, not you and I, well, certainly not you, but uh, maybe me, because uh, I'll be long gone in 50 years' time. But his record is stunning, so he might well be one of the all-time greats. I think it's always hard when horses are racing to rank them or, or put them in a historical perspective because you so often don't know how special they are until they're not around anymore. And that that point about the fact that we probably haven't seen the absolute best or what has been perceived as the best over the last two years in every race, Grand Circuit race that we've been to, there have been horses missing that we'd wished had been there, whether it be the Western Australians not coming across or the Kiwis or the fact that some horses didn't want to travel without their connections interstate. It's been really hard because I'm not sure that we've had the absolute best meet at any point in time since King of Swing has been here on the Eastern Seaboard. And also it's hard because he went through that purple patch and for a horse to win a breeder's crown at two and still at seven years of age be winning grand circuit races, that's phenomenal. You very rarely see it, particularly a stallion. And I think what is also in his favour is just that swagger and attitude that he has as well. Nearly that's what stands out to more people than his racetrack performances. There's just something about him. But in terms of the all-time greats, personally, I'm not sure that he ranks at the absolute top, but that's not because of his performances. Maybe it's because of what the fact that maybe he hasn't met the absolute top or what we think would be the best possible field at the current time. But And, and it's always going to be said, the fact that the majority of his races he's been in front. Now, if you're allowed to go to the front, you can only lead it and win, can't you? And some of his best mm. performances, I think his best performances that, for my respect factor, have been in Queensland where he didn't get to the front. So maybe it's not necessarily the races that he's won that have had him climb up the rankings in my mind. But I'm not sure what it is. And maybe it's because when he came across from Western Australia at that point in his career, he didn't have the best reputation. And for some unknown reason, people remember horses down periods more than they remember when they're at the top of their game. I think we see it all the time when these top stallions from Australia don't get supported by breeders. Is the reason that breeding and people have this stigma against Australian horses because they see some of their worst performances, whereas the American horses, we only see their highlight reel. I'm not quite sure, but um, he's such a superstar. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have a small share in him and his owners have been on such a great ride. But maybe it'll be once he is retired that we'll sit back and realise, well, over the next 20 years, a horse isn't able to win two miracle miles or even three miracle miles on the bounce and just how hard that is to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very, very good point that you raise there. We're, we're tending to look at the, the downside of a horse's uh, career rather than the upside, but uh, that might be life in general. Who knows? Brett, time is on the wing. You need to steer us into a winner for the weekend. There's plenty of options for you because there's some great racing right around the globe, not only here in Australia. New Zealand, as I said, that card on Saturday afternoon, that's going to be a ripper. What is your best bet? 
Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to Menangle's card on Saturday night. It's just a, a sign of things to come over the next few weeks. I heard you speaking to Amanda Rando earlier. Just quickly, on Krug, I spoke to Jack Trainer this morning and he said there will be no lead for act now. Sim- as simple as that. Krug will be leading and he'll be leading all of the way, hopefully. So I think that is a positive sign for those who are, are backing Krug or are in his corner. But I'm going with Majida to cause a little upset in the Sibelia Stakes. I also spoke to Jack about Stylish Memphis and he said that he'll be driving her for one run at them this week. He'll be driving her in a regular pattern. So if Majida gets out in front and can rate a um, sub-151 mile rate from the lead, I just, I'm not sure how Stylish Memphis will get into the contest or get past her from that point in time. So race five, number six, Majida at Menangle on Saturday night is the runner I'm looking towards. All right, race five, number six, Majita. Good value there currently with Tab as well. Uh, that is going to be a, a super race, and so too will the Ladyship Mile uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Brittany, as always, really appreciate the time. Uh, it's going to be a ripper weekend, and we'll see you on the uh, the TV on Saturday night. Thanks, Chris.